Well, this morning, we're really, really thrilled to have a panel with us today and um, to talk about the topic of anxiety. Now, yesterday, my wife and I, we went out uh, to go shopping for a Christmas tree. And we went to, uh, I think it was six places to find the Christmas tree. And uh, the first place we went to, we, we saw a Christmas tree, but it wasn't in stock. So we went to another place in Westbury, and we saw the perfect Christmas tree. And, and they said, well, you have to go down that aisle and go down there, and, and it's way up there, and it wasn't in stock. Went to another one, went to another one. After the sixth one, I wanted to strangle somebody. I wanted to lose my sanctification. And, and then I realized, wow, it is stressful, you know. Uh, the holidays are stressful. And um, so I actually believe the Holy Spirit kind of led me into this new series that we're going to do. It's called Tis the Season to be Overwhelmed. And um, the truth of the matter is, is Christmas is such a beautiful season, but it's also a very stressful season. Uh, and the reason why it's so stressful is, number one, because the truth is um, we see people <laughs> that we've had conflict with. Uh, during the year that we could avoid, but now we have to sit down at the same table with them. There's some s family members and some extended family members and some outlaws, I mean in-laws, people that, that we know we're going to have to deal with certain things during the holiday, amen? And um, so as a result of that, it can get a little stressful. And then we want Christmas to be perfect. How many want Christmas to be absolutely perfect? We want to make sure that Christmas is about 32 degrees so it can snow, but not a blizzard. We don't want a blizzard. We want just a little bit of snow so that we could say it snowed on Christmas. We want all the presents around the tree to be perfect. We want the dinner to be perfect. We want everybody to behave themselves. We want to have just a perfect day, a magical day, and it never happens. Never, ever, not one time. I've never had a magical Christmas, not one time. I've had a wonderful Christmas. I've had a thankful Christmas. I've had a Christmas where my family have enjoyed uh, ourselves, but it's never been magical, you know, because it's not about that. And so we, we get all hyped up about the day, and, and everybody pushes us to get, you know, all the perfect gifts and whatever. And by the time December 26 rolls around, we're exhausted, we're stressed out, and we're, 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 we're probably over uh, our, our, our limit as far as our budget is concerned. We might be in debt, and, and there's more stress, right? And so uh, we want today to talk to you a little bit about anxiety and stress and help you along the way so that this Christmas can be a different kind of Christmas. It can be a peace-filled Christmas. And so I want to tell you that uh, the reason also why I've chosen to do this around now is also because I know personally in my own personal life how anxiety can affect us long-term and short-term. See, I, I grew up uh, in a home where there was a lot of stress, even though we knew the Lord. I grew up in this church. I, I started coming to this church when we were six years old. And yet there was a lot of stress in my family. My father had died when I was four years old. And uh, my mom was a single mom. And, and you know what? Let me tell you, she loved God with all of her heart. And I remember times we'd come to this altar and she'd pour her heart out to the Lord. Why? Because she was stressed out. You know, because it was hard. It was hard to take care of four kids, you know, taking, making sure that, you know, there's enough money, you know, there's enough things happening in the home to be able to have kids that are healthy and strong and spiritually, you know, well. And it was a, a lot of stress. And so as a result of that, that kind of came on me. And as a, as a young man at 13 years old, I, I remember sleepless nights. I remember having anxiety and stress. I remember having a knot, butterflies in my stomach, and I didn't know what to do with them. I tried to get rid of the butterflies all kinds of ways, but I just didn't know how to deal with the anxiety and stress in my life until I became a little older in my life, and I realized that I had to deal with it. I had to deal with some of the things that happened in my past. I had to deal, had to look in the mirror, and had to realize that if I'm going to overcome anxiety in my life, I'm going to have to deal with it in, in a few different ways. And the truth of the matter is, is the church has a wonderful opportunity to be able to overcome anxiety uh, because we have the tools that we need. Sometimes, though, we don't look at anxiety and stress. We don't look at emotional issues and psychological issues and spiritual issues on a holistic way. 
And so as a result of that, so often we just say, if I pray more, if I read the Bible more, if I go to church more, if I trust and believe God more, anxiety will go away. And the truth is that that is the core. And we're going to pick it up next week a little bit more and go a little bit more in depth, uh, you know, in the spiritual realm. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, is, yes, God is the center. And we do need to learn how to trust God. And Philippians chapter 4, where it says, be anxious for nothing, God wasn't saying that you, you have to live with anxiety. And the Bible does have the answers. But the Bible is holistic. The Bible looks at us as a three-part being, body, soul, and spirit. And so often, we just look at ourselves in one dimension. We just look at ourselves as spiritual beings. And we don't realize that we are body, soul, and spirit. And so because of that, we have to care for the whole man. And so I am really, uh, really passionate about helping people care for the whole person, not just the spiritual end of things, not even just the psychological end of things, but the emotional end of things as well. So this morning, we're going to talk about that. And I've invited some folks to join me on the platform today. And so I'd like them to come and make their way up at this time so that they can help me kind of discuss the area of anxiety in our life and, and, and discuss it from a holistic approach, a spiritual, number one, a spiritual approach, God being in the center, making sure we understand that we've got to trust God. We've got to let go of control of our life so that God can be number one in our life. But we also have to take care of ourselves mentally and emotionally as well. And so I'm going to actually turn this part over to Dr. Namit, um, who's going to come right now. And he's going to help us to understand a little bit more about how we can deal with ourselves on a holistic way. So give it up for Dr. Namit today. really the only area of mental health that my family pushed. They're like, hey, just be intelligent. And the two emotions that we, I think my family knew how to express were sadness and anger, but only mom and dad could express sadness and anger. If I came home angry, my mom would look at me and go, why are you angry? Now I'm gonna give you something to be angry about. Don't you dare get angry in my house. Um, and so uh, I realized that I grew up very uh, emotionally uh, and mentally stunted. Uh, I didn't really know how to identify my emotions and what I suppressed in one area came out in a different area, oftentimes unhealthily. And so I, I realized that there was a lot of catch-up that I had to do when it came to uh, my emotional and mental health. And so uh, just in contributing to the conversation, I care so much about this because I see that this is something that um, has been a neglected part of our spiritual formation and the way that God has made us. Uh, but also in my personal life, I've realized that I've come from a culture and come from a family uh, where we didn't have the tools to talk about this in a healthy way. And I realized the effect of that in my own life. And um, so I'm just, I, I love this. I'm in no means an expert on this. I am just somebody who cares about this tremendously and I want to learn uh, more as it pertains to the way that God has created all of us, amen? Awesome. Uh, so all of you, right, you guys have a great uh, just contribution to this conversation. But before we start talking about what you know, uh, let's develop an opportunity to get to know one another and let's develop an opportunity that we know what you care about. Uh, so could you just briefly introduce yourself and, and what got you passionate about mental health? And uh, we'll start with the most beautiful person here. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Good morning. Um, my name is Asha Harish. I'm his wife. <laughs> Um, so he's a little biased here. Um, but I recently uh, acquired my master's in mental health counseling from Naya College this past spring. Um, <laughs> thank you. Um, and so I'm super passionate. If you get to know me really personally, this topic makes me like flip out <laughs> um, with joy. But I, um, what got me passionate about mental health was, was really two things. Um, first off, um, I've always loved helping people, um, not necessarily in the medical sense, <laughs> um, but I've loved helping people um, 
navigate through tough situations, navigate through just things going on at their, in their homes and their lives and their families and their friends' um, situations. Um, and so that kind of pushed me towards helping people learn how to take care of themselves emotionally. Um, I think especially in the culture where I've come from, African-American culture, um, emotion is a really difficult thing to experience and to express. Um, we come from a lot of hurt, a lot of pain, and I know that a lot of um, a lot of people of color, especially, also come from those similar backgrounds. And so, um, when I got, when God gave me the opportunity to walk into mental health, I kind of ran, actually, um, full like face forward. Um, and I've really found it to be quite gratifying. Hello, church. My name is uh, Dan Guerra, and I think where my interest in anxiety really started was just being uh, an observer in my own home. I, like Pastor Steve, grew up in a, a single parent home, so my mom uh, raised me and it was quite chaotic, to say the least. Uh, also, I watched as a young boy my mom deal with very crippling anxiety, um, which certainly, of course, affected me and developed my own anxiety as a, as a young guy. And you know, lots of, lots of challenges and difficulties, had to, you know, uh, work at a very young age because of fears about having enough, and left home at 15 and, you know, started to develop um, probably a level of independence that was a little bit premature. So that came with a lot of anxiety and a lot of worry. It also came with a lot of drive, which could also take a form of anxiety, as we'll unpack, I think, over the over the day and, and this evening, um, and eventually propelled me into the mental health field. And I think uh, any, any psychologist or mental health practitioner who's being honest will let you know that we don't just get here by accident, that we usually have dealt with something ourselves that have uh, made the field alluring or interesting to us. So I got a doctorate in clinical psychology in the late 90s, and now I have a psychotherapy practice in Manhattan and I specialize in anxiety disorders, and it was born out of my own experience, but I'm also quite interested in it because I see that with anxiety, believe it or not, it doesn't take much to put some things into action, small things that make a really, really profound difference. And when I, when I recognized that in my own life, that got me very, very excited. It sent me on a sort of circuitous path, even like around the world, studying uh, with different practitioners that addressed anxiety from different cultures and different um, areas of the world. It got me very, very interested in all of this. And when I got back to the States and uh, was studying you know, more officially, I tried to integrate those things. So I'm continuing to develop that, both within my own life and my own anxiety that rears its head every once in a while, and also with my patients and clients. So thank you. Amen. Um, so you've heard a little bit of my story, but why am I so interested in it? Because I see too many Christians who suffer needlessly because they shy away. There's a stigma to anxiety. And I think um, in some ways as a pastor, we add to that because we just get on the pulpit and we say, just don't be anxious. And if you do this, you won't be anxious. And so I think uh, I've had so many people come into my office and deal with anxiety and I tell them I've gone through that and I know that I'm on the other side in a lot of ways even though I still struggle at times I'm I, I've, I've, I've seen God do such an incredible work uh, not only in my life but in the lives of people who don't just see it one-dimensionally but really uh, begin to break free from the stigma of it from the fear of it come out and just admit man I'm struggling with this but there's so much help out there and I don't want to see people that I love so dearly in the church, anywhere, have to deal with it and go it alone. And there's so many people that are going, uh, going through anxiety, you know, whether it's anxiety disorders or just anxiety that happens in normal life. And they just don't know how to deal with it. And if they had the tools, they could be free from it. And so I want to see people set free. They, you know, the Bible says they'll know the truth and the truth will set them free. And I want to see them free.
sometimes are running so hard that we don't take care of ourselves. And then we expect to live to 100. And so one of the things that, uh, that encourages me about it is that now that I've come here, that I've heard the word, I'm starting to study it myself, and realize when you look back in our, in our time and our culture, there was a lot of stress, a lot of stress. And because we didn't even pay attention to it, we just kept moving on. And sometimes we get so busy with life that we don't pay attention to the signs that our bodies give us. And then, then we end up getting to a place where uh, our body will shut down. And then we cry out to God and say, God, heal my body. But we're not taking care of the physical, emotionally, and, 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 and uh, social aspect of it. And we get the trouble. And without, you can pray all day long. If you don't take care of the natural things in your body, you will collapse because your body will shut down. So I'm glad that we can be here this, this morning to unpack it all that so we can help each other uh, handle anxiety and stress. Awesome. I love, I love the diversity represented um, on this panel. And I think that actually speaks to what a lot of people experience uh, throughout life because uh, I think for a lot of people, either anxiety, the definition of it doesn't exist, or the definition is so specific to people that when they hear somebody saying, I'm anxious, they're already you know, triggered or they already have something in their head. Uh, but for the sake of, of setting a common language here uh, that we can all work with, uh, how would you begin talking about anxiety? How would you begin to define anxiety? Um, and is all anxiety the same? Can there exist different levels of anxiety, different levels of severity to it? Or is all anxiety just the same exact anxiety and, and that's how we should talk about it? Now I'm anxious. <laughs> so anxiety is hard to define, to be honest. Um, as, a, as an attempt to operationalize it, the way that I look at it best is an umbrella term for a lot of things that fall underneath. So, you know, we, we, we have it in our, our vernacular, our language. We say things like, oh, I'm anxious for the service this Sunday. We just say that. And then we say, I'm feeling anxious, or I have an anxiety disorder. So it's, it's, it's very different. There's a lot of uh, nuances to it. The way I like to start thinking about it is that uh, anxiety can be experienced anywhere from something minimal or mild to maybe having to speak on a panel on Sunday morning, you know, a little jittery, um, or having to take a test although some people have crippling test anxiety, but most of us have that little anxiety, to something that can be really pervasive and really stay with us and affect our functioning. And I like to look at, um, it's, it's actually in the literature, three areas in terms of functioning. If it's so pervasive that it's affecting um, academics or occupational functioning, interpersonal, the way we're relating to others, and I like to add a fourth, which is intrapersonal. That, that is how we, are relating to ourselves. Uh, so when, it's, when there's impairment in those areas, then anxiety can be a little bit more severe. The other thing that I would add is that anxiety is something that is hard to detect sometimes. I mean, when it's, when it's really out there, we know it. Um, and I can, I can share briefly where it tends to land when we really know it. But you also might consider that anxiety is always sort of lurking under the surface on some level. And in fact, if, it, if it's okay, it'll just take 15 seconds. If I could just ask you for a moment, just for this moment, just to tune in right now to your body. And if everybody can just take uh, a deep inhalation through the nose and hold it for a moment. And then exhale deeply, keep exhaling, keep exhaling and now tune back into your body, you may notice that there was a little bit of a shift. Maybe not, but most of us might feel a little difference in the body. Well, that, that's a form of anxiety. We, we tend to hold the body, we tend to clench, we tend to sort of um, stiffen, and we, we might not even be aware of that, particularly when we're driving or when we're in difficult conversations or something like that. So the four areas, uh, or probably four or five, that I think anxiety lands, is first the body. And there was a, a researcher and doctor named Jacobson in the 40s who said, an anxious mind can't live in a relaxed body, which I think is a great place to start because the body is very 
gross and we, can, we all have one and we can see it and notice it. And then it also lies in our mind in, our, in the form of thoughts, uh, patterned thoughts, worried thoughts, tense thoughts. Our emotions is the third area. So um, how we're feeling about ourselves and others. Uh, also behaviorally, we might be doing certain behaviors that would then we later on say, oh, maybe I'm anxious. Is that why I'm doing that? Um, the common ones, drinking, smoking, overeating, but it could also be behaviors of um, obsessions or compulsions, with more like compulsions, that's behavior, uh, hand wringing or pacing back and forth, those sorts of things. Then of course, spiritually, as Pastor Steve said, it can land there too, self-doubt, guilt, um, feeling disconnected from God, or feeling not enough, let's say. Yeah. <laughs> that was so good that just all my follow-up questions you answered. <laughs> of course. Um, so something that you did uh, mention that I thought was really, really good uh, was that your body can be an indication that something is going on in your mind. Uh, and, and Pastor Steve said that as well. You know, we're not just these, you know, segmented pieces. We are interconnected. That God has made us interconnected. Um, so could you guys hit on just maybe even personally, uh, what are some indications that you have, whether it's your mind, whether it's in your heart, whether it's in your, uh, whether it's in your body, that you know, oh, goodness, like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm anxious right now. Something is off, and, and I need to address it. Because I think one problem is that, if we don't know what the indicators are, we don't really know that we're anxious and we don't know how to address it because we don't know that we're feeling it. Right, um, so um, I like to eat. I come from a good background. <laughs> uh, we love food. Um, so for me, um, watching what I eat is really, really important. So when I notice myself just eating like a ton of like chips and crack, just a, all the good stuff that's not really good for you, um, I realize I'm like, oh, there's a problem here. Like I'm not really taking care of my body. Um, also for me, I get sick very, very easily. Um, so if you feel like you're getting sick a little bit more often than you normally do, you might be anxious or there might be something going on inside that you're not really addressing. Um, I think also just um, body pains, like my, I'll, my back will start to hurt, my, all of my joints will hurt. I'm like, I'm only 26. I don't understand why my body is reacting this way. Um, but it's because I'm holding something like the tension that he's talking about, you're physically holding tension within your body for a long period of time and you're not relaxing it. Um, and so just kind of being aware of how your body physically changes when you move um, and how um, you might just be a little bit more sad, a little bit more melancholy than normal um, or just kind of a little bit more somber, like things don't bring you as much joy as they normally do. Um, you might not find as much enjoyment in things that you normally enjoy doing. Um, that's probably indicated that something's going on there that you might be worried or anxious about that's kind of blocking you from living your normal life. My patient level gets really thin with people. People tend to, people tend to get under my skin a little bit more than normal and, and I'm, I'm ready to strike out at, at someone. And that's when I need to pull away from people and just get, because if, if I'm stay with people, I'm just going to get in trouble. Uh, and so I realized that. The other thing I realized, I was talking to one of my doctor's friends the other day and, and telling him my story or telling her my story, we realized that every time we change, I've changed location, it has produced a certain amount of stress that I've suppressed. Like I remember when I left Africa to go to England and I left all black people and went to all white people and, and, and that was stressful as well. <laughs> so, so, but I tend to suppress that and say, okay, I'll be all right, I'll be all right, I'll be all right. They won't kill me, but I'll be all right. But, and then when I left England, went back to, because uh, I was in an all-boys school, and when I went back to Africa, uh, I, I met girls for the first time in high school, and, and that stressed me out as well, because I wasn't used to that. And I realized that every time I, my life changes, and then I came to America, I got all stressed out of here. So there's so many changes sometimes that I've suppressed over the years because I'm a man and I'm not supposed to show emotions or fear or, or anything like that. So I, I've realized by telling the story 
that there have been areas in my life that have been stressful and suppressed. Uh, and, and so now I suffer from high blood pressure uh, and I'm having to take tablets to, to, to take care of that. Uh, but realizing now that I've come here that if I don't, I can be as powerful in praying tongues as loud and as long as I can. But the doctor says you can pray in tongues all you want. But if you don't take care of that body, all your tongues won't do you any good. And I, I found that out when I came here and I thought, wow. I wanted to say, get me behind me, devil. No, but he was saying the truth. Prayer alone, without taking care of this temple, will not relieve the stress in your life. Yeah, uh, I actually pray in tongues when the doctor is taking my blood, and it helps me a lot. So <laughs> I pray for the doctor. I pray for his family, his dog, everything, just to get through that anxious moment. But, I, you know, I think um, really, really important to recognize that um, the root of anxiety really has to do with not trusting, trusting God in a lot of ways. And so it, it comes out in a lot of different forms, though. And for some people, we can really work hard. And, it, and in America, work is applauded. So if you're a workaholic, you're applauded because you work really, really hard and you try to prove to everybody you work harder than anyone else. For me, you know, that was one of the things uh, uh, Dr. Dan talked about coming from a single parent home. I started working when I was 11 years old, um, you know, just, just to make, just to help my mom make ends meet, you know. And so I know what it is to work really hard, really long. And I started applauding myself for that, like saying, look, I work harder than anyone else. And, um, but hard work can at times be rooted in anxiety because you're afraid. You're afraid you're going to not have enough money. You're afraid that people are not going to like you. You're afraid that you're going to be a failure. So a f the fear of failure and the fear of not being enough creates anxiety. That anxiety is relieved by the compulsive behavior of overworking and not taking the Sabbath rest that we're supposed to have. And we're applauded for that. Oh, he works really hard. Look at him. You know, he just, he's always out there working really hard. And uh, he's a winner because look at what he does. He succeeds. And so we really need to look at the roots, I think, of, of anxiety in our life. And I think that it would do us all a good, a lot of good to stop and be still before the Lord. Be still and allow the Lord to, you know, point something out in our life let the holy spirit point something out in our life to say okay if there's a behavior so for me behavior in a lot of ways is an indication that i'm dealing with anxiety in my life i behave a certain way that's unbiblical because the lord says i'm supposed to rest i'm supposed to take a sabbath why am i not taking a sabbath because i don't trust i don't trust that god's going to be enough for me whatever it may be and um so every one of us there's a root that creates the anxiety in our life that we need to look at and uh, to see why there's a certain behavior. And sometimes that behavior is an indication that there is anxiety in our life. That's good. Uh, just, just to give you my top three, so maybe you can relate to them if you do. Uh, so anxiety for me tends to show up in this anxious preoccupation, right, in the form of thoughts like, are things going to fall apart? Even, even after all these years where God has shown me again and again that things are okay, the, the thought, the ha habit is still in my mind. I'm just half a step away from homelessness or, you know, are things going to fall apart? Or if I don't keep moving like a shark, I'm going to collapse, something like that. So that's for me. Second is I know not what I'm eating so much for anxiety, but how quickly I eat is an indication for me how stressed I am. I could be having a, a healthy salad, but I'll be, you know, going at a, at a breakneck speed. Third is, is muscle tension. So uh, I've, I've trained myself to check in throughout the day where my shoulders are. So I know if my shoulders are creeping up by my ears, especially if I'm driving, then, you know, just making that adjustment, that's, that's an indication for anxiety. almost been woven into the way that you talk about mental health is um, each of you has brought up your past without me asking about it. And, and I think something that um, can become spiritually abused 
are verses like, uh, well, I'm a new creation. You know, the past is done with, the past is dealt with. Uh, Jesus took that on the cross, uh, so I never have to look back. I never have to explore where I've come from, what has happened to me in my life, and all this kind of stuff. And so um, that, that has created, uh, you know, you said this generationally, that has created some, some harm and some pain um, that if we never really explore the past, we never know what brought us here, uh, but we also don't know what we're repeating going forward. And so I've found that the past is one major contributor to um, my mental well-being. But what are some others, uh, what are some other causes or influences of anxiety that may go unnoticed, may go unmentioned, uh, that we should really begin addressing? Um, I think trauma is something that is so important when it comes to anxiety. Um, and I don't mean, I don't necessarily, when I think when we think about trauma, we think, oh my gosh, this newsworthy story, something happened, there was a major car crash or something like that. Um, but trauma can be uh, a lot more simple than that. Um, there can be a lot of emotional trauma. You know, um, a lot of us might have grown up in households where our, um, our feelings weren't taken as valid. Um, they weren't taken as being heard or serious, um, where it's just like you're asked to, to to sit there and be quiet, but not to say anything. Um, and that can cause a lot of trauma for you. That can be like, okay, well, every time I ever speak about anything, no one's ever gonna listen to me, right? You kind of get these like extremist thoughts. Like there's, there's never a midway, there's one or the other. Um, obviously, any kind of abuse that happens to you is traumatic, right? Whether it be physical abuse, but also emotional, psychological, sexual abuse. Um, that's, that's a trauma that happens to you. And then also just the natural trauma, right? Like people that go through natural disasters that feel like they might not ever be safe no matter where they live. Um, also the regular things, you know, car crashes, um, deaths in your family that were never actually dealt with. All these things, even these common things that happen throughout our day-to-day -day activities um, count as trauma. And so when you walk into another situation, even if you're not aware of the situation that's happening, if you walk into a situation that makes your body unconsciously feel like you're experiencing that again, it can produce anxiety in you that you have no idea where it's coming from. And so when you kind of look back in your past and you're just like, okay, well, what has happened to me in my life um, that has caused this, this, that has caused this kind of anxiety to me, you might realize, oh, well, when I was a kid, mom didn't actually spend time with me. She actually neglected me. And I don't feel like anyone's ever gonna make the time for me to make me feel important. Or, um, you know, dad walked out on me or whomever was taking care of me walked out on me. And so I feel insecure every time I go into a serious relationship. Um, that can cause anxiety in all kinds of ways. Uh, you know, I think that it's really important for us to understand that we have a heavenly father. He's our Abba father. He's our daddy. And I would never tell my daughter, get over it. Just get over it. You know, that's in the past. And I think that's what we have been told over and over again, is just get over it. It's in your past. Um, when I was growing up as a kid, I had so much trauma in different areas that uh, when I was 19 years old, I gave my life to Jesus. And I'll tell you what, the Holy Spirit came on me. I'll never forget the day the Holy Spirit came on me and called me into ministry. And it was a phenomenal time in my life. But there were things that happened to me as a kid that God, my, my father, my daddy, he wanted me to look at it. He wanted me to go back and forgive the person who hurt me. And if, if he just said, look, it's finished, it's over with, go on now, I would have never realized there was bitterness in my heart because I had suppressed it for so long. It's like, it's like when you have a wound and a scab grows over it, you look at it and you think, that's normal. That doesn't look bad. That doesn't look bad. There's a scab there. There's a scar there. But at least it's not bleeding. At least I'm not dying. And, you know, we just get used to having that scab there. And we just feel like, well, that's the way it is. But the truth is, at 25, I found that there were things going on in my life that were creating anxiety. And I, didn't, and I, was, I was preaching the gospel. I was preaching. People were getting saved. People were getting healed. God was doing a great work through my ministry. But there was something in me that God wanted to come out. And I had to be able to see that. So it's, it's not wrong to go back into your past, not to bring it up and say, I'm not, I'm not loved by God. I'm not a whole person. It's really because there are behaviors that are happening in your present that are indications that something in your past has not been dealt with.
and you have to go back and deal with it. And, and it's great because that's when God begins to heal you. And he's my daddy. He doesn't want me to carry this stuff around with me. He wants me to be delivered and healed. You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And so you have to be able to be in the presence of God. And so every day, there's not a day that goes by that I don't pray. I don't seek God. And I remember the day that God said to me, you need to go back and you need to deal with the hurt and the pain and the memories and the scars and the stuff that you suppressed for a long time that you just wanted, you just, you just wanted to be over with. But see, when it comes to anxiety, when it comes to depression, when it comes to emotional, and I'm, I, this is not about mental health. This is about holistic health. This is not about one-dimensional health. This is about spiritual health. This is about emotional health, and this is about mental health. And it all goes together. God, my Father, wanted, to be, wanted me to be whole mentally, emotionally, and spiritually because they're all tied together. And so we could preach great sermons. That's why there's a lot of pastors today that are actually taking their life because nobody's talking about their mental, emotional, and spiritual well-being. So they can come up to the platform and preach, and everybody hails them as the most anointed person. They go home, and they're totally depressed, and they're totally anxious because the church doesn't want to talk about it. The church wants to sweep it under the rug and just say, let's just have another emotional or maybe even a spiritually charged service, but let's not deal with the issues of our life. God wants us to deal with the issues of our life. He wants us to be healthy and whole, body, soul, and spirit. And you got to go back sometimes to deal with that stuff. I just wanted to add, I feel very encouraged by what's being said. I'm particularly, I mean everything, but particularly around the, the nuance you made around trauma. And tonight we're going to be, ironically, dealing exactly with that. Uh, and the idea is, is that trauma used to be thought of as these very big events and, you know, as, as hard as it sounds, it's, it's like war, rape, big car accidents, those kinds of terrible, terrible things. And that's still traumatic, but what we found in the research, particularly when looking um, at how the brain works, is that trauma is registered in the brain, even in very subtle ways, developmentally. A lot of the examples that you gave and, and that you gave. So um, we'll unpack that a little bit more tonight. And the second thing I wanted to say about the past, which I completely agree, is it's almost like we don't have to live or dwell in the past, and therapists get uh, accused of that a lot. Why do we always go back to the past? But to not acknowledge what happened or to not understand it or to not sort of um, see how it fits into your present is completely denial and will keep you blocked from healing. It's almost like somebody, yeah, it's almost like somebody um, who was injured, let's say, in war and has an amputation. We would never sort of say that that didn't happen or that they're not still, if, you might know if you know anybody with amputations, they still feel pain in the part that's not there, phantom limb pain. So you can, you can not have a left foot but still feel pain in your left foot. Similarly, this is happening emotionally and that's why we need to acknowledge the past but not get stuck there. Picture, the last picture I had in my mind of my father was him driving away from me. And so all through my life, I, I wanted to be praised and appreciated by my father when I was little. And, but when that last thing, incident happened, I made a determination that day. I, was, I think I was about 18 years old. And I said to myself, that will be the last time anybody will hurt me. And I put a wall up. And everybody thought I was a great guy, but they didn't know I operated from behind the wall. And it wasn't until I got saved and a couple of years afterwards that the Spirit of God whispered to my heart and said, if you don't deal with this resentment and this anger, it will kill you. You'll go to heaven, but you'll kill you good early. Do you, do you understand? So I had, to, I had to go back to my past and I had to rehash everything out. And I had to get to the place where I had to be able to say, because of my love for Jesus, because I love you more, 
I choose not to hold the resentment to my father. My fa- I never saw my father again from that day. He died during the war. And, but the Holy Spirit said to me, you can still release him even though he's dead. And so you and I need to understand, as, as, as Pastor was saying just now, anxiety will increase a hundredfold if you have unforgiveness, resentment, jealousy, and bitterness in your heart. And the great thing about it is that nobody will know, but your body will know. And when you go to the doctor and the doctor can't figure out why you're breaking down, a lot of times they say it's emotional. Because just because you don't express it you're, and you internalize it, your spirit crushes you from the inside. And so I had, I had to choose that, do I love Jesus more than the resentment I have for my father? I came to a conclusion after a period of time, after a period of time, after a period of time, I came to the conclusion I love Jesus more than being resentful against my father. That's how God was able to release me. Just want to touch on this one thing, and um, I'm not sure of the exact uh, statistical number, but a very high rate of sicknesses and ailments that we go to the doctor for have to do with anxiety, huge amount of anxiety and depression. And so we're going to the doctor because we've got high blood pressure or we've got this or we've got that. We've got neck problems, back problems, leg problems, all kinds of issues. And it stems from anxiety. So we're going to the doctor, and here's what's happening. We're going to the doctor, and we're getting a pill to take the pain out of our body, but we're not taking the pain out of our emotion and out of our anxiety. And it's this vicious cycle that's happening over and over and over again. And then if we go to the church, and we run to the altar, and we say, Pastor, pray for me, because we want a a magic pill. That's what we want. We really don't want to deal with the issues of our life. What we want to do is we want a pastor, a man of God or a woman of God to come and lay hands on us. We want to get slain in the spirit, go down for 20 minutes, come up, and everything's good. And and God says, no, I'm not going to do that because you're not dealing with the issues, the root of your problem. So we're going to stay that way until we decide that we're going to get the help that we need. And, And by the way, let me just tell you, counseling is a wonderful gift from God. The Bible says every good gift comes from above. And yes, we need them to, we need counselors to be Christians, to understand that we're three-part beings, that we just don't medicate people, and that's all. I thank God for Dr. Dan Guara, who is a Christian psychologist who understands the three parts of a human being and, and takes that into consideration. And uh, let me just stop right now. We'll, we'll go on in a minute, but let me just make a commercial right now. Dr. Dan wrote a book called From Stressed to Centered. And um, you can get this, and um, actually it's a great sale that's going on. Kindle selling it for $2.99. Listen, I didn't say $299. I said $2.99 on Kindle. You want to get this to help you so that you can take care of yourself in every way. So let's go on. Thank you very much. found for myself a major uh, contributor was uh, the cultural narrative that was spoken over my life. Uh, I come from a family who um, definitely did love me, um, but the pressure that I experienced growing up was immense. It was was almost impossible for me to continue the pace that my family wanted me to go. Um, And in a big way that uh, my, my family never said this, but this is how I felt, you know, because you can say things but feel completely different. Um, They would just say over and over, um, or I would feel over and over, I'm not enough unless I'm producing what they want me to do, right? I'm, I'm not enough unless I'm doing what is valuable in their eyes. And uh, that, that influenced the, the type of people that they wanted me to spend my time with, uh, that influenced who they wanted me to marry, that, that influenced what they wanted me to do for a job and what they wanted me to do as my role in the family. And um, I, came, I came to realize that that was weighing on me in such an unhealthy place. And so something that Pastor Steve said really well uh, was this, this topic of, of holistic healing, right? This holistic completion. Um, and we can talk about becoming healthy Um, And I think that's awesome, Um, but I don't think Jesus is primarily concerned about us being healthy. He's concerned about us being complete. And so you can be healthy but incomplete. 
but you can be complete and you will definitely be becoming healthier. Uh, so let's talk about the gospel here because I think that Jesus doesn't want to just settle with us becoming healthy because we, truthfully speaking, we don't need God to get healthier, but only Jesus has come to complete us, right? And so can we, can we talk about that? And, and this is where we can kind of end uh, for today and then maybe pick up later tonight. But how does the gospel paired with mental health, because that's part of it, right? Um, how does the gospel bring us hope in the midst of all of this? How does Jesus make us not just healthy, but complete? Well, I would say, so the doctors can try and give you something for your body. But the Bible says, I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me. So I, I, I've have to learn, I've learned to go to the doctors, let them treat my body, and then my spirit and my mind is something that I have to allow the Holy Spirit to renew my mind, renew my thinking, renew the way I, I make decisions and the way I, I speak and carry on with my life. But because if, if your body is treated, but if you're not renewing your mind to the lies, to the lies that say you're not good enough, to the lies that say I don't love you, to the lies that say that you have to earn my love. If you hear all those things over and over in your life, from the people that were supposed to love you, that messes you up in your head. And so I have, to get, I have had to go back and say, Lord, who am I to you? And when I found out that I am more than enough to God, then I choose what God says over what my father said or over what people have said to me. And I can put that to the side to be able to say, but the God of all creation who created all of us, his opinion matters more to me than the opinion of my father. Paul the Apostle said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. And I think it's really important for us to understand that our soul, the soul of a man, Jesus said, what does it profit a man if he gains everything else and he forfeits his soul? So we need to be very careful in this discussion that we understand that it's the soul of a man that's the core, the inner who he is, who she is. And the soul of a man, the soul of a woman, uh, everything flows out of that. Jesus said, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Guard the heart, for out of the uh, heart flow all the issues of life. And um, so we can be healthy and whole in the sense of, you know, outwardly looking like we're healthy, but the core of who we are is our soul. And our soul needs to be saved, redeemed by the blood of Jesus, and there's no other way. And it's the core of our life. Our soul is the core of our life. And so when Jesus came and died on the cross, he died for us, number one, so that our soul would be saved. And out of our soul, our body, our mind, our spirit, everything would then become complete in him. So what I find in the gospel is this understanding that I find my complete identity in Jesus Christ who died on the cross for my sins. Sin separates us from God. Sin is the thing that makes us dysfunctional. Jesus came to rescue us from our sin. So the Bible says through one man, death entered into this world and then death was transferred to all of us. And so we are dying. We're dying first in our soul and the outcome of that, the root of that, is that we're dying emotionally, we're dying psychologically, we're dying in every single way. So we are being renewed in our mind because we understand that we've embraced the gospel as the center of our life. The gospel is the center of who we are. And because we have embraced the gospel, now God is doing a work of transformation. God bless you doing an incredible work of transformation in our life through the power of the gospel. And uh, I'd like to meet just to kind of finish that off. And I, I've got one other question for Dr. Dan. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, because for me, the, this, this understanding growing up was I'm not enough unless I produce what is enough. But the gospel says something completely different to me. It says, you are not enough. Jesus was enough. He took your place. Now you are enough because of him. And so something that, um, that Asha said was, um, 
when anxiety is rooted in lies, the only way to abolish it is with truth. And the greatest truth is the truth of the gospel. Jesus saying who we are by his righteousness and his work now that is ours. And, and we, we live life disbelieving that. And that leads to so many other issues. But the gospel centralizes us and it reminds us kind of like what Pastor Henry and Pastor Steve were saying. It reminds us who we belong to, right? It reminds us in whom we find our, uh, our being. And, and I think that is just, uh, that's just awesome. You know, and I think also, one last thing is that in the gospel, we are accepted by God. If I embrace the gospel, even though I've got all these issues, I got issues in my life. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, you got issues in your life. We, we, we have issues in our life. Come on, let, listen, let's be honest. Let's be honest, really honest today in this room. Who in this room doesn't have any issues in their life? Who in this room is not, well, there's your issue, you're in denial. <laughs> Who in this room is not dealing with a certain level of something in their life? Whether it's unforgiveness, whether it's bitterness, whether it's pride, whether it's in, uh, insecurity, whether it's anger, you know, whatever it is, we're all human beings. Welcome to the human race. And the last time I checked, I am not perfect. I'm far from perfect. And there's so many things God still wants to do in my life. But I am, listen to me, this is so important. The day that I received Jesus as my Savior, Jesus covered me with his righteousness. And I am today complete in him positionally sanctified. The word sanctified means set apart by God. So spiritually, he set me apart. Spiritually, if I died right now, I'm going straight to heaven, straight to heaven. I'm secure. The gospel makes me secure so that if I die today, I'm going to heaven. That's the great hope that we have. But, but progressively, God is making me more like Jesus. Who in this room is just like Jesus in this room? Nobody. Therefore, if we're not like Jesus, then we still have issues in our life that we have to address. And as a result of that, I find that I am complete in the gospel. I am secure in the gospel. God loves me in the gospel. The gospel means, defines my position in God and that God loves me because of his son. And because of his son, I am now complete in Christ, yet I am a work in progress. There's a process going on in my life so that I'm not, I don't feel, I don't feel bad about myself. I don't feel like I'm less than. I feel like that I'm loved by my father in heaven who sent his only begotten son into this world so that I might have eternal life. Behold, what manner of love is the father bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. I'm a child of God today. I'm secure in him. I'm so secure in him that I could care less what you think about me and what, what I'm telling you today about what I've gone through in my life because I'm secure in Christ enough to be able to say, I don't have it all together. I'm still dealing with issues in my life, but God loves me. He accepts me because he loves me and accepts me. There's a place in heaven for me. And while I'm getting my stuff together on earth, God still says, I will finish the work that I started in you. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, somebody. Praise the Lord today. God is at work in us. And he'll never finish it. Now, this morning was never intended to be the end all to this conversation. In fact, next week, we're going to talk a little bit more about how you can deal with it. According to Philippians chapter 4, be anxious for nothing, right? Got to learn how to pray right, think right, and live right. There's no question about that. But tonight, we're going to have part two of this morning. And I pray that every one of you in this room will come back tonight. Don't stay home. You are too important. You're too precious to God. God wants you to live in wholeness and health. So, Dr. Dan, tell us a little bit more about what we're going to be discussing tonight to whet our appetites to come tonight. Sure. Uh, well, probably...
there'll be some overlap from what you heard today, but we'll do a, a, a bit of a deeper dive on you know, what anxiety is, how it contrasts with depression and some other uh, forms of mood disorders or depression, and the role of stress in anxiety, kind of unpacking that both from a, a sort of nervous system level and brain level. And we'll go into how you can begin to address anxiety wherever you or somebody else that you know might fall on the scale of mild to severe. Look, take a look at the different anxiety disorders. And also I have uh, two or three or four little exercises for us to practice in there so that you could walk away with something really tangible to work and build on. If, that, if one of those don't sort of hit you, there's a ton more out there to work with. So hopefully you'll, you know, for folks that are there, they'll, they'll leave with something they could take away that would yeah. be useful. And I think you're gonna also define uh, the terms anxiety disorder versus, mm, what is it called, calming anxiety? In other words, there's kind of anxiety like you were talking about now when you're gonna take a test or whatever, that's one thing. Then there's a, an anxiety disorder that kind of really, um, it really interrupts your life and, and, and functioning. And you're gonna talk about both of those, correct? Absolutely address all of those issues from okay. uh, the whole scale. Good, wonderful. Well, I hope this has been helpful to you today. Um, I just really believe with all my heart that God wants our church to be whole and healthy. And I don't want anyone walking around thinking that they can't get the help that they need, amen? Let's all stand today, this morning, and uh, I just feel uh, by the Holy Spirit this morning that we're going to finish this off just allowing our Father in heaven to love on us today a little bit. You have a Father who loves you so much. Daddy is here right now in this room. Daddy's here in this place right now. And the Bible tells us that if you're going through something, call for the elders of the church and anoint them with oil. And here's what I'm praying for today. Listen, I'm not, I'm not gonna pray over you and pastors are not gonna pray over you that you're gonna get a quick fix. I'm not gonna do that. Cause then I don't undo everything that we talked about right now. What I am gonna pray for you this morning is that God would give you the courage and the strength and the, and the peace of heart to know that while you're going through those stressful times in your life, he's going to teach you how to be whole and healthy. He's going to teach you how to look at the signs that you're stressed out. He's going to teach you how to go to the secret place. You see, in my stress, 25 years old, hardest time of my whole life, in my stress, I learned how to go into the secret place and find the God who can get me through those things. But I also learned how to educate myself, learned how to talk to people. I learned how to get the information I needed and process all of that. I learned how to be courageous enough to say, it doesn't matter what people think about me, I wanna be healthy, body, soul, and spirit. And so here's what I'm gonna pray for you and, and we're gonna ask the, the pastors to come and gonna ask the counselors to come and. And if you're here today and you need to start with the center of your life, listen, the Bible is very clear. What does it profit a man if he's healthy emotionally and physically, but is sick spiritually? One day we're all gonna die. So you could be the happiest person on this earth. You could be the most healthy person in your mind. And I don't think you can without being saved, but in your mind, you could think that. But one day we're all gonna die and we're all gonna stand before God and there's only one way we can get to heaven and that's through the gospel. That's through what Jesus did on the cross. And so if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm not certain that if I die today, I'd go to heaven. And I need Jesus to be the center of my life. I need Jesus to forgive me of my sins. I'm gonna invite you to come as well. And I'm gonna invite you to be prayed for this morning and I wanna give you some information. There's some workers that wanna give you some information to help you to be able to come to that place of making Jesus the Lord of your life. But right now, if you're here and 
you have gone through a traumatic situation in your life, or you're going through a traumatic situation, or you're going through a stress-filled situation right now. Maybe it's a divorce. Maybe you're going through a sickness. Maybe your child, son or daughter, whatever it may be, maybe you've lost somebody in your life. And sometimes we don't even know how stressed we really are because we just keep on pushing through, pushing through. But today, you just need prayer. You need somebody to just pray for you and love on you. Let, let Daddy God love on you today and pray for you. And so I'm going to pray and we're going to dismiss. And then if you need prayer, we're just going to pray for you this morning. Lord, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would help us to be healthy as a church, Lord. Lord, I thank you that you love us so much, Lord. Lord, that you don't want us to sweep stuff under the carpet or shove it down or suppress it, but you want us to be healed and whole, Lord. May this be the beginning, Lord God, of health, Lord God, and wholeness in our life. So life takes a lifetime, Lord. Let it be the beginning of a, a great process of truth in our life, Lord. And Lord, for anyone who needs to know you as their Savior, may they come as well, Lord God. And may they give their lives to you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And everyone said, don't forget, God has a plan for your life.